What's going on, everyone? Kyle here with Tom. This is the You Know I Got So and So in Stereo podcast. We are back for a Christmas edition of the podcast. A couple of days away from Christmas, we figured we might as well give you one more before the holidays are over. What's going on, Tom? What's up, Kyle? And I I heard Ed couldn't make this podcast because of the family reunion that Chris Brown is attending with him. Is that true? I I think so. You know, I think... By the end of these holidays, we might not see Ed because once Chris Brown gets a hold of that review that Ed did on the album, it might be the end for Ed. <laughs> for those who don't know, Ed is actually cousins with Chris Brown, believe it or not. So it's actually true. I don't know if that's true or not, but he says it quite often. I think it actually. I think like his cousin is related to Chris Brown in some way. Some weird story like that. We'll have to get the the final story on that from Ed next time he's back but uh yeah he's not going to be on this episode but he'll be back soon what's going on tom what's what's new in r&b i know you uh recently did your top 10 r&b albums of the year yeah before i I get into that i wanted to mention something it's a sad note actually you know i was walking the streets of new york you know i live here in new york city and i passed 550 madison avenue do you know what what that address is of significance of kyle well all I know is on Genuine's debut album, The Bachelor, he keeps yelling 550 what? <laughs> that's my address. So it's, so it's probably something to do with that. <laughs> yeah, so RCA, Sony, that was their offices for many, many years, back, even back to when Genuine was on the label. And it's no longer, they, they've moved recently out of those offices, I think about a year ago. But man, that's a historic building here in New York, and they're turning it actually into apartments, believe it or not. So. But it's sad to walk by and, and see all the history that went on in that building. So no more 550 what for Genuine. Damn. Do we know where RCA moves to? Another building downtown, somewhere in the city. They didn't leave. Capitol Records actually, for the most part, left New York. Most labels are leaving New York, believe it or not, to go to L.A. So, But RCA is still in, uh, in New York. Remember when we went to... Remember when we went to RCA once? And didn't you get a T-shirt? I did. They were giving out free merch, and uh, one of the ladies working there gave me an ASAP Rocky shirt. I'm not <laughs> sure why, but I took it. <laughs> and where is it now? I think my sister has it. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But, Tom, a lot to talk about in R&B this week, as we normally do. I want to start off by talking about K. Michelle. We talked about the album last week. The numbers are back. Tom, she only sold 9,000 copies first week. Her last album sold 55,000 first week. What does that tell you? Yeah, but it's like I keep telling you, Kyle. I don't think that people are even buying music anymore. Everyone's streaming. So does that include the streaming numbers? I looked at the streaming numbers. It's not that much higher, to be honest. But does the nine thousand sales include the you know the value they get from the you know the, the calculation of the streaming equivalent? No. After after streaming, she's at about sixteen thousand. Well, I think I think it all means man. Why do why do people still make CDs? I, I that's what I don't understand. If you're gonna sell nine thousand. Right. I mean, I, I don't know. It seems like the cost of of making CDs and placing them in Walmarts and Best Buys, and there's not even many stores left who actually will sell a CD. So, man, I just want to know really how many people actually heard the album. 
Is it in? The, is it at least you think in the hundreds of thousands? Uh, it's Tom. Before we get into the actual state of the industry and all that stuff, <laughs> we sorry. we we need to talk about K. Michelle, the artist. Okay, right? all right, it's fair enough. She has been, and I don't think it's really even argue. You can't really argue it, but in the 2010 era, she's been one of the top female R&B artists. True or false? In terms of pure sales, yes. Yeah. Popularity can we, as well. Wait, can we mention the history of K. Michelle, though, first? Go ahead. I Th- mean, this you was someone. For- yeah, I mean, this was someone who was co-signed by R. Kelly, is a, is a very good vocalist, probably you know one of the top vocalists, and couldn't make it originally until, you know, this just how it is, until she had the reality show. No diss or anything, but... And and then once she had the reality show, her sales skyrocketed. The label took a chance on her, and she started selling records. So, but now, um, I actually don't know if she's still on the show. Do you do you know that? She will be on. Uh, I think it was Hip Hop Love and Hip Hop. I believe Atlanta. She'll be back on that in January. Okay. So okay. I think I think we will see a increase in her sales once she gets some TV exposure. And not to discredit her, because she's done it better than anybody um, in terms of R&B and, you know, making a name and bringing exposure to her music through reality TV. I don't think anyone's really been able to do it on her level. But, I mean, I'm I'm super concerned about these 9,000 copies that she sold because, Tom, like I said, she is one of the biggest female artists that we've had in recent years. Commercially, you know, in, in terms of singles, she hasn't really done you know what maybe akisha cole or mary j blige would have done but she's been able to capture an audience which is pretty much impossible to do these days but i mean i gotta call her out on it because in terms of the promo for this album there was pretty much none from her and i know she had a lot of disputes with her label but i mean from watching some of the interviews she's done Throughout the last couple of years, it seems like she's burned a lot of bridges. And it's unfortunate because, as you know, Tom, as an R&B artist, you need as much promotion as exposure as possible. And I know she was out dissing um, Angela E from The Breakfast Club. And I think she's banned from, like, iHeartRadio uh, stations now. So that can't be good. Well, let me ask you this. Did her, did her song make any noise on urban radio this time around? Um, not urban. Urban AC, it's slowly climbing. But, you know, a lot of that, it has to do with how much the label is going to push it. Yeah. Right? Because to me, you know, to, so, no, to me, that's actually interesting. Because if you remember, uh, remember when VSOP was like yep. a top song at Urban Radio? And there was very few artists who have been breaking through at Urban, which is the hip-hop format. Yep. And I thought yeah. that was monumental. But now if you look at where she's at, if she can't break through at Urban... Is it the label who doesn't believe in her anymore? I mean, you mentioned some tension. She wanted to kind of go in a more of a country direction, was it? Yep. So, Well, I mean, like you said, VSOP, I think that was the only single of hers that really translated into radio success. She's never really been a radio-driven artist, which, again, mm-hmm. is interesting because someone like Akisha Cole, just a decade, decade before that, she had numerous hits on radio. So... I'm interested to see, and I know we're quickly switching gears here, but I'm interested to see, and Tom, maybe you could kind of shed some light on it. I'm interested to see what K. Michelle's career is going to look like 
10 years from now when she's established the foundation when she's put out a couple of albums songs that people know in 10 years will she be will she be able to tour off these songs and you know because keisha cole can still do it well it's actually an interesting dynamic i mean to look at i mean were people just buying into her because she was a tv star a celebrity because that's you know these days it's a lot of it is about that image you know investing yourself into into uh, an artist because you you like them as a person it's not always about the music, but I'd be interested to see if that's going to translate long-term for Kay Michelle. And from the looks of things, it might not. I, I don't know, because she hasn't had, like you said, those hits at radio. And that longevity, I don't know if it's going to translate into longevity. So, man. And I hate to say it, a lot of her career and success has been based around controversy and drama. And that's not you know yeah. that's not a long-term formula for success, so... I don't know, Kyle. I don't know. It, like, it's interesting. I think about some of our favorite acts, 112, Jagged Edge, Drew Hill. They can just go on tour for the rest of their life because they have the hits to do it. Even some of the artists from my generation, Mario, Omarion, they have at least a handful of songs that people recognize. And, you know, some are classics and they can just do club shows for the rest of their life. K. Michelle doesn't necessarily have that. Has have that. She has the brand. K. Michelle, and I know she has a lot of loyal supporters, but can that really take you far in 10 years? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that one. I think we're starting to see something new, and you know, it seems like she's probably going to be the first of her kind to do it, and it'll be interesting because I see a lot of newer R&B artists as well. They're huge on the internet, huge on SoundCloud, but they're not making a dent on the radio. You know what's something interesting about K. Michelle, though? I mean, she's actually made good songs. Like, we like oh, her, yeah. her music. And it's yep. almost like that gets lost in this whole equation, you know, because of all the drama and reality TV and all that. And it's almost like that. And, and just because she has, doesn't, hasn't had hits doesn't mean she hasn't made good songs. We like her music. So oh yeah, of course. it's going to be interesting. I mean, and I think it'll be telling for the future of kind of how R&B goes. I mean, I really don't know. I, I don't think personally, I don't think it's going to go well. I can't see her doing a legacy tour and, you know, that type of thing. But but credit to Kay Michelle, I think she'll find a way to make it work. And she, she's a hustler, so I know she'll be successful oh, yeah. no matter what. Yeah, Kay, the one thing about Kay Michelle is she has the work ethic to make it work. I'm just looking at it from a very, I guess, objective black and white standpoint on, you know, not a lot of success on radio, but she has the brand and the name. How is that going to work? It'll it'll definitely be interesting, Tom. Wait a minute, Kyle. What, do you remember a few years ago we tweeted something, and didn't she um, like diss someone or something attached to our tweet? Do you remember this? No, I don't. What happened? I think it was Ashanti. What? Yeah, it ended up on one of those gossip sites because she dissed someone, and it, it was in our tweet. We tweeted something about Ashanti. I think it was Ashanti. And she said, she said something. You don't remember this? This was like three or four no, I, years ago. I don't. And it ended up on like Bossip or something or one of those sites. But that was wow. that's part of her brand, though. Yeah. Like she she builds publicity for herself by doing that type of thing. And like we're saying, that's not a long-term formula for success. So we'll see. Well, Tom, her brand is about to switch up pretty soon. I watched an interview, and she says she's going to remove the uh, butt implants. So no more juicy booty for K. Michelle. Damn, I wish Ed was here right now. <laughs> <laughs> we miss I mean, you, I have no... We love you. 
<laughs> I have no comment on the juicy booty, but um, I, I think she was doing it for health purposes, though. I, you can't have. She was saying, saying that she can't have a kid if she has the juicy booty because there's just too much weight on her body. Then, so I I'm mean, not good for her. I'm not. I'm not commenting on this at all. I mean, the only health advice that you would give people is just to keep eating chicken and give up red meat. So. Eat some Greek yogurt, that too. Oh. And if Ed were here, Jeez. if Ed was here right now, he'd be saying, playa. <laughs> That's all I know. You got that. <laughs> um, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about Chris Brown. Tom, Christmas is actually Chris Brown miss because, listen, he dropped Heartbreak on a Full Moon. It was 45 songs. He leaked another song on SoundCloud like the same day, and now he's come in with the deluxe version, another 12 songs. That brings us to 57 songs in total. 58 if you include the leak song. Do you want that is the most absurd thing. I do want your reaction. Dude, I think this is amazing. Uh, I mean, mind you, I haven't listened to any songs on, on the list on his album, but, dude, if Joe dropped 58 songs tomorrow... It would be like the best day ever in the history of R&B music. So, wow! If, if someone's favorite artist is Chris Brown, and you're getting 58 songs, I think that's a great thing. Would you? How would you disagree with that? Well, you know what? As a Chris Brown fan, I am happy that he dropped that many songs. And I know Ed didn't really give the album a very positive review. I've actually sat down and listened to the album more than three times now and there are a handful of really good songs on there but there are also some very not so good songs um i think there was a span of like four songs where he was you know jamaican um and not my type of thing but these new 12 songs that he put out man only two of them are actually listenable the rest of them, I think he just like recorded it in one take and said, well, we need some more streams. Let's add some more songs <laughs> to the playlist. <laughs> but I'm serious. That's a problem. But, but I will say this, Tom, um, because right before the podcast, we were talking about an artist like Stokely who you put mm-hmm. in one of our top ten albums of the year. You had so many reactions that said what? Stokely, they said what? Stokely put out an album? Yeah, no one had, no one had any idea. Realistically, exactly. and then when we when we talk about K. Michelle only selling nine thousand copies, I mean, as, as as cheap as it is for Chris Brown to put out fifty something songs to gain every everyone's attention on the fact that he put out an album, I can't I can't be mad at that. At least he's trying something new, and I mean, it probably does diminish the quality of what we're supposed to look at as an album. But at least he's trying to figure it out. I can't be mad at him for that. Well, I mean, some of his songs made our countdown, so that's good at least, right? Yeah. Are you going to be um, previewing those songs on Spotify before uh, before you det- decide what where you're going to rank them? Um, Ed shared his title password with me, but uh, unfortunately, um, only one person can be logged into title at one time, and I think Ed leaves it on nonstop. So I couldn't uh, <laughs> listen. I, I couldn't listen to any of those. So I just put them at the bottom of the list. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Shout out to Ed in his title subscription. Let me, <laughs> let me ask you a question, though. I, going back to Stokely real quick. Right? So he has 72,000 followers on Twitter. 
So should 72,000 people know that he released an album? Um, it really depends. I now, First and foremost, I believe not all of those 70-something thousand people are real people. Some right, of them are right. bots. Let's right. get that out of the equation. Maybe he's at 50,000, which I think is a pretty fair number. Do I think 50,000 people should buy the album? Probably not. Do I think 50,000 people should be aware of the album? I think it also depends on who the artist is. For an artist like Stokely, I think you should know. Because, I mean, he's not caught up in the drama. Like, some people follow Chris Brown just so they can, so that they can see the drama. For Stokely, people follow him because they want to hear the music. So, I think they should know about it. But at the same time, if you're following Stokely on social media, that means you're probably following... 40 other R&B artists, and it's kind of hard to keep up. You and I, remember when Jagged Edge dropped their album randomly this year? That was surprising. Right. Well, so, I don't yeah. know. I didn't know the answer before I asked you that question, but now thinking about it, it's interesting. Like, who knows to even follow Stokely as opposed to even following Mint Condition? Because I'm looking at the Mint Condition account on Twitter and Facebook. They don't really tweet about the album that Stokely put out. Right. But, so, you might not know to even follow Stokely's account if you're if you're an actual big fan of his music. So, and obviously they didn't have a big budget to release the album. So, you might it, it all makes sense. I mean, you know, it, it's unfortunate because this music deserves to be heard. We we thought it was one of the best albums in R and B this year, obviously. So, but man. It's just, this is R&B in 2017, man. What are you going to do? Right. I have an idea, and I'd love for you to give me your feedback on it. We actually talked about it a little bit earlier today when it came to the Neptunes. What if, and I'm not sure if these artists even have that type of material left over from those times, but what if someone like Donnell Jones all of a sudden released like 10 songs from what he recorded back in 1998 Dude, that never came out. You're, you're, you're preaching to the choir. I've always thought that, you know, because we always talk about how out, uh, artists kind of, their music isn't as good as their debut, right? It kind of falls off. I always thought artists should record like 100 songs, like in the beginning, before they're signed, you know, on the way up, and then like release it over the years. It would be way better than anything they could create after they're, you know, after they're signed, after they're put on. Because, you know, it's nothing like, you know, when you're, you, you kind of have a tendency to not try as hard. That's my opinion. So, man. But See, I don't think I don't, people... I don't, I don't even think it's not trying as hard, but it's, it's kind of hard to recapture that vibe once you've moved on past that. Right? Like... I'm sure when Donnell was recording his second album, he was in a certain vibe. And once the years progress and he's, you know, introduced to new influences, you kind of can't go back to what it was in 1999. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I was looking at uh, Main Conditions Twitter to see if yeah. they were talking about Stokely's album and all. Dude, they have a photo at the border of, of North Korea and South Korea. What? How epic is that? Wow. I don't even know how that happened. Uh, they probably got hacked. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a, this is legit. I wonder if wow. they performed in South Korea and uh, made the made the trip. I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, um, anyways, 
but back yeah, to Donnell. It, yeah. But didn't Donnell release like a B-Sides album? He did. A couple. Were there it, songs it, from that era? It was actually pretty good. And actually, John B. has done a similar thing. He released a, a yeah. B-Sides project. And some of the songs you hear are, are like, you know, they sound, they, they don't sound like they're new. They sound a bit dated, quote unquote, but it's good music. So you can't complain when See, you get stuff like thinking. that. That's exactly mm-hmm. what I'm thinking. What if Brandy decided to release a new album and said, and and basically told her fans, hey, listen, I didn't actually record this recently. These are all songs from 2001, but I'm going to promote it as a new project. I hope you check it out. Do you think people will check it out? I think they would. 100%. Why wouldn't they? But it all comes down to how many songs did Brandy record in 2001. Right. Was she working? Like, it, It's tough. It depends on the artist, I think, because every artist is different. Some of them are in the suit... I mean, our favorite, our favorite artist, or one of our favorite artists, Static Major, obviously, had thousands of songs, right? Yep. So, I mean, if we ever heard another song by Static, we'd be super excited. Yeah. But, but on the same token, we've, we follow Leah so much, you know, as far oh, as her man. career. And we found out she barely recorded, aside from whatever she put on the album. Yeah. So. But, the, but when we did hear unreleased Leah songs, we were excited. And they're actually pretty good, right? Yep. Until so. Drake went in and remixed them. And- <laughs> <laughs> what about Chris Brown? Yep, Chris Brown as well. Jeez. Although, you know what, Tom? I am kind of hesitant in a way. I think there are some songs. Because as much as the artist evolves and progresses throughout the years, I think as listeners we do as well. Right? The term dated, I think. I hate that word, but... In some instances, it's true. Like you can't listen to a song from ten years ago and not say this sounds dated. It's a it's a terrible term, but I think we all use it. No, you're right, but <sighs> you're gonna you're gonna try to make me diss someone here. I'm I'm all I'm all for it. I just don't think artists are motivated at all, or even have the know how to know what their fans are looking for. They, right. I mean, they we hear so many of these songs these days, and they're just so boring and. They're just so mediocre. I don't think... And then and then you hear some of our favorite artists trying, you know, trap sounds and newer progressive sounds that don't fit their... That don't. It's not what their fans are looking for. So we'd much rather hear dated stuff than trendy stuff. There's only... To me, there's only very few... He- <sighs> I'm going to do it, Kyle. I'm going to do it. I'm listening. The Jagged Edge album from this year. Oh, why do we got to keep doing this to Jagged Edge? But did they did they really understand what their fans are looking for? I mean, we the JE Heartbreak al- 2 album was was you know was was pretty good. They they reconnected with their original producers. But man, when I heard this album, yeah. And my wife was in the room and she told me to turn it off cuz it was so bad. I mean, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, we love Jagged Edge. Jagged Edge, we love you. But damn, that album. You know what? To anybody that's listening right now to the podcast, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on on, on this discussion on, on whether artists, if they are able to, with the material that they've had left over, or if they're able to release songs from you know 10 years ago and present it as a new album, would you guys be happy or sad about it? I'm actually, this is actually something I want to go home and think about too because... 
Remember when uh, Tank dropped uh, Sex, Love, and Pain 2 last yep. year? And yep. what people don't know is that he was actually working on an album with that same title, and it was supposed to be the follow-up to Sex, Pain, and Love, you know, the original, and that was supposed to come out before the Now or Never album, right? Or it eventually turned into the Now or Never album. Yeah, yeah. So what if last year he just gathered all those songs, and I know a lot of them have leaked, um, so if you want to go check those out, you should, but if he had just taken those songs and presented us with that album, I don't know. These are These are questions that I think we need to look and discuss. Well, we talked about it earlier. You know, we're both Neptunes fans, and we heard a song a few years ago by an artist, Luttrell, who was signed to the Neptunes and Pharrell. And one of her songs leaked recently in the past few years that was from, what year would you say, like 99 or around then, 2000? And uh, honestly, it was one of the best songs I've heard in years. It was a classic Neptune sound, you know, and... um, Maybe we're just living in the past, but to me, like a lot of the music my favorite artists from the 90s are making isn't as inspiring as it was when they made it back then. So to me, I'd love to hear that type of music. Would definitely be interesting. Um, I want to talk about some other stuff right now, uh, if we can. Jennifer Hudson dropped a new song. It's a piano ballad called um, Slow Burden. Mm. Did you get a chance to listen to it, Tom? I haven't had a chance to hear it. I know we have it on the site, but Jennifer Hudson, believe it or not, I mean, we, we kind of underrate her. I think she's actually one of the top vocalists we have, though, in R&B. Yep, and my apologies. The song is actually called Burden Down. I don't have my glasses on right now, so I don't know what happened there, <laughs> but it, the song is called Burden Down. Um, it is a piano ballad. Obviously, Jennifer Hudson, one of the best vocalists in R&B. Um, you know, she comes I don't from know American if you were trying to, I don't know if you were trying to get me down that route to talk about Ed Sheeran, but we're not we're not going there right now. We've got to wait well, for we're Ed not, for this we're one. We're not going that route, but <laughs> I'd be interested, Tom, to hear your take on Jennifer Hudson's career. I know we're going to be um, – you know what? Let's do it right now just because I don't know how to get out of this, but we were going to talk about possibly putting Jennifer Hudson in the R&B Hall of Fame. Can we talk about that right now? I know we're kind of yeah. breaking off the the pattern and the and of, of segments, but I just want to talk about this. Is Jennifer Hudson? I think one of the most recognizable names in R and B today, who has put out numerous albums. She had a huge role in Dreamgirl, and I mean, she's like performed at the White House and everything. Do you think she should be in the Hall of Fame? Well. I guess we should kind of touch on her history because she became a celebrity, obviously, from American Idol. Yeah. Um, did she win the thing? No, Fantasia won that one. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yep. Um, I'd actually have Fantasia into the Hall of Fame over Jennifer Hudson if that counts for anything. That's fair. That's a separate discussion for a separate time, but Jennifer Hudson, I feel like, was a celebrity off the start due to her appearance on the show. I mean, I wouldn't call any of her albums classic, though. I, I don't know if you disagree with me. Nope, I don't. I don't disagree with you. Um, she's definitely is a celebrity. I mean, she's a household name based off the show, based off her her acting, which is pretty good, too. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't think many would have her as a Hall of Famer. 
at this point. Uh, I'm curious to hear, though, what you think has been missing from her music, because I feel like she has the ingredients. She is a superstar, celebrity in those terms. She has a very powerful voice. What do you feel like has been the, the missing ingredient that's been kept her from being a, a superstar music-wise? Um, if I am to be honest, I think what's kept her from being a superstar is she has, unfortunately, no identity as an R&B artist or just an artist in general. Think about it, Tom. Can you name three songs by her? Spotlight is one of, of course. That's her big single, and I think that's the one record everyone knows, but... If yeah. you walked and asked a general R&B fan, name three Jennifer Hudson records, do you think they could do it? No, I don't think so. Which is crazy Damn. because she's had three albums. And yeah. two have gone gold. And I, you know what? In terms of going on tour just for her songs and her hits, she's another one. I don't think she could do it. No. Of course, being a... Being a celebrity, I think that will allow her to do so because she's such a great vocalist. But, I mean, in terms of hits, she doesn't really have that many. It's true. I'm looking at her uh, Wikipedia page right now, actually. Um, Spotlight, obviously, was the gold single. But other than that, I mean, a lot of these songs aren't memorable to me. They weren't huge hits. And, ah, man. It's it's this. I think she's a very interesting. I'd love to hear what Ed thinks. Um, so for me, I would say no. She's not a Hall of Famer, just like you. But I mean, she's a great talent for sure. And um, you know what? I listened to her last album, J Hud, the one uh-huh. that Pharrell and Timbaland and R Kelly worked on. I thought that was a very interesting direction for her. She was going more towards that disco funk type of sound, right? And I felt like it worked for her. Um, in a lot of those songs, but from the sounds of this new song, it looks like she's going to go back to just singing and piano ballads and stuff. And I feel like, I think there's a part of me that believes no one really cares about that stuff. Not just from her, but from just R&B fans in general. They don't really want to hear the piano ballads anymore. You know what's interesting? You got me thinking about something else now, because you said, will she be able to tour, you know, based on that K. Michelle question? But I'm thinking, like, her first single was in 2006. Will any artist who came 2006 or after for R&B be able to really tour? Who's who's doing a more traditional sound? Like, can you can you think of an artist off the top of your head who is of that generation? Who will be able to tour based on previous hits? I think it's kind of it. It's, I think it's kind of like someone who debuted, uh, you know, at that time or later. Of, of a more traditional sound. I don't mean, like, the younger kind of newer sound but you know jennifer hudson obviously is a more traditional sound so is k michelle right. yeah so i'm thinking there's not gonna be many ja- jasmine sullivan maybe based on hits though hmm. i mean, I she's, mean her, she's first, had, her, her first album had a couple of hits no that's a good that's a good uh that's a good choice but yeah but her last album which we all thought was really good Really didn't yeah. have quote unquote hits, which yeah, to me is just sure. a, is just a reflection of the industry at this time. I mean, no, they're not really paying attention to it. Yeah. So, oh man. But that's another. I mean, that might be another topic for another day. But I feel like that's 
almost a reflection of where we've come come to in terms of this traditional R&B sound. No, you're absolutely right on that. I'm I'm going through my list right now. It's it's tough. <laughs> well, well, what year was Neo's debut? I mean, I'm sure he'll be able to. Neo was tour. around 2005, 2006. He'd be fine. Yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, 2006 was his debut. But other than that, I'm thinking, who ca- who came out after that with that more traditional sound? Because obviously, some of the younger R&B artists are gonna be fine. Yeah, like you Trey know, it's, and it's Chris a, Brown, those guys are yeah. fine. Here's but a Trey name for you. But, but, but Trey actually was what year, his debut? 2005, I think. So you got to count him kind of towards that, but he'll be fine. So there's a there's a yeah. positive. Here's a name for you, then. Carrie Hilson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, has, she, has, she has a handful of memorable songs because she did come out of the gate with some big singles, but, I mean, she hasn't really done anything in, like, 10 years now. Yeah. Um, isn't she blackballed from the industry? I think she is, actually. <laughs> some, something must be going on, because people have been asking for her music, including us. I'd like to hear some new music, but it's been yeah. how long? It's been, what, seven years? Eight, seven, eight years, yeah. Does she even do shows? No. So, I mean, something... It's unfortunate, honestly, because it's like almost yeah. like a waste of talent. Damn. Well, maybe 2018 is a year. <laughs> well, Tom, yeah. I want to quickly touch on something here, and I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk about it. Well, actually, first and foremost, I guess Jennifer Hudson will not be in the Hall of Fame unless Ed inducts her, which I don't think he will, <laughs> but stranger things have happened on this Hall of Fame. Yes. Um, now, when we talk about Wait, artists... hold on, hold on. Did Monica yep. get into this Hall of Fame? She did not. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> However, Tom, I think Shantae Moore might have a chance. Oh, no. Listen. Shantae Moore released not one but two albums this year. That is unheard of for an independent R&B artist. Isn't right. it? Yes, music it is. Videos, music videos that look pretty high quality... And songs that actually sound like they're well-mastered and mixed. Tom, I did a little bit of Google research. It looks like uh, Shantae Moore is in some trouble because the money that she used to fund the album was illegal money. It was what? It was bad money. Oh, wow. It's that dirty money? It's that dirty money, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let me just quickly... (laughs) Did Go you ahead. get a chance to read what happened? You sent me the article, and I still don't quite understand what's going on, to be honest. Um, apparently, it was like fraud and... Um, so how did she like end that. up with the money, though? Like, I, I, How did the money end up in her hands? I, uh, I, I don't... Listen, I'm just reading whatever they put on the internet, so it may or may not be true, but... Something is fishy if you can put out two albums in one year as an independent artist, unless you're Music Soul Child. Uh, <laughs> shout out <laughs> to music- E1 Entertainment. Yep, they have that money. <laughs> yep. Um, if Ed was here, he'd tell us that he actually liked the album, Rise of the Phoenix, which it actually wasn't a bad album. It's just unfortunate. I mean, for R&B fans, it's good that she got to 
you know, put out these albums. It's been some time since our last one, but it, you hate to hear stories like this. It, you know, it, it should be an easier process to put out an album than having to basically steal, a, you know. Yep. Um, okay, I'm, I'm reading the article now. I'm going to read it word for word. Maybe we can get some more information on it. It said, the guys who were ripped off claimed their money was used to open a hair bar in Georgia, buy a house, and support Moore's career. In their lawsuit, the two men claimed the defendants used some of their money to buy Moore's plane tickets for her musical tour, lavish her with gifts, fund the production of and marketing campaign for her seventh album, The Rise of the Phoenix, and even to pay off her significant personal debt. Hmm. I wish I had um, that kind of money to do all that thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I I don't even know what to say at this point. I mean... Yeah, I, I, I'd hate to make judgment on something I don't know about, and clearly I don't know anything about this, so... We will have to get the information from Detective Ed, who will, I'm sure, who's probably read up on this like a million times already. I'll just say it's sad that it's gotten to the point where you need to basically rip someone off in order to put out an album in 2017 in R&B music. It's just, man, we've come this far. Allegedly ripped off someone. We're not going to put any uh, okay. You're right. accusations out there. However, Tom, let's talk about our upcoming songs of the year. I think we're doing 100 songs this year. Yeah, once again, 100 it's songs. It's tradition, 100 songs of the year in R&B. And as I'm looking at this list, a couple of observations here. I want to first off give a congrats to Music Soul Child, surprise, surprise, who has like six additions <laughs> to the list. It's interesting. Ed even, even chose some songs for this list that I didn't even think to choose. So, yeah, Music Soul Child will have a big presence on this list. I think Kevin Ross is another one that had a lot of mentions on the list. Kevin Ross actually had my number one song this year. Uh, wow. Can I say it? Am, am I able say to say it. it on here? So yep. Don't Go was actually my number one uh, by Kevin Ross. I told him when I, I saw him at his listening party earlier this year, it was a great song. I don't know if it was us that had an impact, but a couple weeks after that, he released as a single. That did happen, right? That did actually happen. Yeah, he was uh, going to go with don't you don't forget about me as a single and then all of a sudden i think you met him and told him you really like the song don't go and he announced don't go as his new single but we also like don't you forget about me which will also be on our list oh yeah absolutely so didn't go wrong either way for kevin ross but um a couple of new artists actually ended up on our list i think this is this year more than ever we're starting to see new artists um who might not be doing that traditional R&B. It might just be the fact right. that we're starting to accept the evolution of R&B a little more. Um, her made a couple of... Uh, she she made the list. I think she made it last year as well. Uh, Ella May, who signed a DJ Mustard, I believe, made the list. And you were going nuts over that song like, <laughs> like just three hours ago. And... It'll be, you know, it's going to be a fun list, Tom. What are some of your favorite songs of the year? Well, I listen to the Her songs because you guys know I kind of stay away from this newer generation. But the songs you sent me from Her that you put on this list actually weren't that bad. I mean, compared to the her first EP. I mean, I actually heard her singing, and that's what I wanted to hear from the start because we know Gabby Wilson's a pretty good singer. And uh, so I thought they were actually pretty good. Um, 
so I, I rated those actually pretty highly. But the, the wow. interesting thing, the, the thing I thought was most interesting is um, we all heard Latoya Luckett's album earlier this year. Yeah. And um, a song all three of us picked as a top 50 song this year was called, was Grey featuring Ludacris. She yep. didn't pick it as a single. Now, we all thought it was a very good song this year. Is that a missed opportunity? Absolutely, but you know what? I don't think Latoya is even thinking about the album anymore. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm dead serious. Come on. All right. If fair, I go on fair. her if I go on her Instagram right now, will she even make one mention of the album? And it in shouldn't the last be that way. Month, in it the shouldn't last be month, that way. She, I don't know. All right, back back to the list. I'm going to name a couple of the songs I had in my top ten, though, just just for the sake of it. This isn't the okay. official top ten. This is just some of the songs I personally had. We all like this song, the Daily song, "Until the Pain Is Gone" with Jill Scott. That was a really good song, right? Yep. Um, we all all three of us had the Marsha Ambrosia song "Love You," which is another good yep. one. Although she didn't That's have good. an album this year, we all liked that one. Um. I liked Level by Stokely. We talked about him earlier. Um, Glenn Lewis and Jazzy Jeff, and they were part of that playlist project. I liked the song Faceless. Mary J, she had the song You and Me, Love Lesson. And then another song. I liked, I really liked three songs by LaToya. Like, we're in my top 25. But In the Name made my top 10, believe it or not. As well as the song My Love. And you didn't really like those as much as me, I don't think, but... She had some good songs on the album. Yeah, she definitely had some good songs. I just think the album in total. And there's a there's a fan out there who keeps dissing Latoya's album. I think his name is Mr. Elliot on Twitter. Oh man, he keeps going in on Latoya and saying, "Tell her to stop using auto tune." I'm like, "Damn, calm down." But um, yeah, I, she I, had some great songs. I did you to talk about an artist, Kyle? You ready? What's up? There's this kid, Tone Stiff. And uh, he yep. made our top ten albums of the year. Yep. He's going to be all over our countdown. Um, tell tell anyone who's listening why they need to pay attention to this kid. You need to pay attention to Tone Stiff because... Can I tell you why I'm paying attention to Tone Stiff? Well, the reason I'm saying this is because it's so hard to get you know traditional R&B fans to embrace the younger generation. But I feel like we finally have someone who's worth the attention. So go ahead. Well, here's the thing. I personally, you know, I, I've taken a liking to, to Gabby Wilson to her, right? But I know a lot of traditional R&B fans, such as yourself, as well as uh, a good friend of ours, uh, Kay Bookman, they don't mm. get it. With an artist like Tone Stith, his sound is so rooted in that 90s R&B, as well as, you know, the Michael Jacksons and the Stevie Wonders and all of the legends that you really have no choice but to pay attention to it. And I think, and as I started listening to more of his music recently, I think the other part of it that draws traditional R&B fans to him is the the usage of his words and his lyrics. Like a lot of these artists, like her, for example, in some of her songs, she's, using, she's saying stuff like, uh, you make me want to put my phone down, and that's sort of like, her way of saying, you know, I like you so much that I'm not going to look at my phone. Mm-hmm. And older fans don't understand that type of language. But with Tone mm. Smith, it's just, you know, I like you. I, you know, it's it's very simple, which is kind of what '90s R&B was. It was very direct and straight to the point. 
Mm. That, along with the fact that I think just his choice of production as well as the way he's singing and his harmonies, it's very reminiscent of what we all grew up on. And when you watch him perform, I'm not sure if who, who's had a chance to do that yet. He's dancing and he's doing all of that stuff. So just the way he's presenting his music, it's very 90s, early 2000-ish, in my opinion. So why should we pay attention to him? Well, he writes his own music and I think He's doing this for not only his generation, but he's also bridging the gap so that the, the the older fans can listen to him too. That's just my perspective. And DJ Soulchild, I know, was going nuts over a new tone song on Facebook <laughs> just the other day. So I know I'm right if he likes the song. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. But uh, not to get off track, but is he going to have to change up his his style to even be to take it to the next level? Is he going to have to go more trendy? I don't know. I, I'm actually very curious because he's that one artist who's been able to gain younger fans just by doing what he does. And I think he actually mm. has a, a, a following that's pretty young. So it's not mm. like Kevin Ross, for example. And we love Kevin Ross, but a lot of his fans are probably 40 and over, just to right. be realistic. Yeah. Tone Stith has young fans, so... Um, It'll be interesting. I'm I'm actually really looking forward to seeing what Tone Stith does in 2018 and who he chooses to collaborate with. I'd be actually excited to see him with her on a track, but we'll have to mm. see what happens. Um, but yeah, Tone Stith, you guys need to check him out. Is he signed, by the way? Um, I know he's somewhat... He's associated with Drake in some way. I don't know if he's actually signed. I'm pretty sure he's signed. There's no way that he's made this much noise without being signed. Maybe it's one of those like secret signings. Got it. Yeah. Well, tell us some of your favorite. Uh, I named some of my top ten. Who who was in your top ten songs that you heard this year? Well, I haven't really had a chance to sit down and rank my songs yet, but I have made it a personal mission of mine to make Juicy Booty by Chris Brown and Jimmy <laughs> R. Kelly number one. Oh, I don't man. think it's going to happen this year, unfortunately, but we're on a mission to make that happen. Um, a couple of songs that I want to bring up, I don't know if they're going to be in my top ten, but I did really like these uh, these songs. Elijah Blake put out a great song called Occupied. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Kevin Ross has a handful of, ha- had a gr- handful of great songs. Miguel had a great song, Banana Clip. It <laughs> sort of reminds me of like the continuation of Adorn. What in the heck is a banana clip? I don't know, but it sounds good as hell. so it's okay Um, one interesting point and I'm going to just say it now before we all get in trouble when the list is published none of us put the number one song on Urban AC on our countdown which is When We by Tank which actually is charting on Urban now so Mm. someone's going to be mad at us but I did put a Tank song on there that I really liked which was a good thing with Tank and Candace Boyd I thought that was a good song Mm -hmm. um while you're looking at that, just to let you guys know how we put this together. So basically, we all listen to all the albums that came out during the year. Then we make our own individual top 50 lists. Then we, This is me, Kyle, and Ned. Then we combine the lists. So we have you know, 150 or so. We, we eliminate the duplicates. And then we cut it back to, you know, we all rank what, what remains, you know, 1 to 100 and whatever. And then we kind of score it that way, and then we see what ends up at number one, and then go down to a hundred. So um, that's kind of how we, our process of how we do these lists every year. I'll tell you what, Tom. As I'm looking at this whole list, 
as opposed to previous year years where I think we all had a decent idea on what the unanimous number one hit was going to be on our countdown. This one is, I don't think there's a definite top five here. No, definitely not. There really, there's <laughs> not. I think, and you know, me, you, and Ed have different tastes as well, but there is not a definite top five. No. It'll be interesting to see once you guys come back with your rankings how it all ends up. And, I mean, I can uh, already see I can already see Ed's list. You can have SZA, Daniel Caesar, Sid, and then Tom's just going to sink all of those to the bottom. Those were at the bottom of my list. Uh, <laughs> legitimate Chris Brown. Those all ended up at the bottom. Oh, you know um, some Trey songs, songs you guys put on here. A Bryson Tiller song you guys had on here. Uh, yeah, those didn't uh, do well on my list. Yep. But um, I think this, wait this will se- be a really oh, interesting year. But hold on. you you um, I couldn't tell if this was a joke or a serious, but Skywalker made someone's list. That's a good song. Oh, man. It's a good song. That's uh, Miguel, if anyone's wondering. But yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> In a perfect world, number one would be Juicy Booty and number two would be Skywalker. Wait, did Ed even have the uh, Kevin Ross song Don't Go on his list? No. Wow, man. <laughs> was he even listening to music correctly this year? No. He, listen, he was listening to the Jay-Z 444 album. That's true. And that was it. That was about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said, Tom, we don't really have, again, I mean, the holidays are coming up. So we don't really have too much to talk about. I know music's been pretty slow this year, and all Tom's listening to these days is that Mariah Carey song. Which, to Tom, that song hit number 10 on Billboard's 100. The song See, came out in like t- 19... <laughs> that song came out in the 90s. That's pretty sad, though. Yeah. It is? Well, it just goes to show you that no one's even listening to newer music these days. All they, I mean, so many good songs that come out that don't get up to that high in the charts. All they care about is... You know, the kind of nostalgic songs. I mean, I, I don't even know what to say. Look at the R&B charts hear- on iTunes, man. Are you hearing that song all over New York, though? Oh, of course. That's a thing? Every time you, every time you go in the store. I like the song, actually. It's a good song. It is a good song. But uh, speaking of the holidays, though, I want, can we talk about food? We can definitely talk about food, but let me just make a quick note uh, about Mariah. In terms of her accomplishments, so all I want for Christmas is top 10 on the Billboard 100. Um, she's one of very few artists who have had a top 10 record in the 90s, 2000s, and now to 2010s. Um, it'll be interesting to see next year, because it seems like this song just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Maybe she'll get, get hit number one next year with this song, and it'll be another number one record for her. So that's that. And then the second part of that is, uh, Tom... Mariah will be performing again on New Year's Eve. Do you expect another fiasco to happen? Um, well, I'm expecting a redemption. I mean, I, I appreciate that she wants to come back and do a good job, but what if, it, what if it's uh, lip-syncing? Is that possible? Not only is it possible, it's very likely, Tom. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really bad, I'd say. That's almost like you're giving up. That was pretty much what it was last year. Oh, man. That's okay. 
Um, yeah, we can definitely talk about food. What did you want to talk about? All right, hold on. I have a couple things. Number one, have you ever heard of of um, Little Debbie's Christmas tree cakes? I have not. Have you ever heard of Little Debbie's zebra cakes? No. Oh my goodness! It's like the most delicious holiday treat you could ever find. Are you in front of a computer? I am. Google this right now, Little Debbie's Christmas Tree Cakes. It's like this cake with like ice, uh, vanilla icing in the middle, and it's like frosted like a Christmas tree. Oh, man. I'll eat the whole box in one sitting. Oh, this what is your... straight from the box? Yeah, it's in a box. Wow. What is your favorite Christmas treat? Well, Tom, what are you sitting over there eating candy canes? Actually, no, I'm not. The other day, <laughs> someone bought me a uh, – well, someone first bought me an advent calendar, which was pretty cool, those chocolate calendars. And then I just ate like 10 of them in one day. But Wow. That's yeah, not how it works. I, I broke the rules. But the other day, I bought a gingerbread house kit, and I'm actually going to be making a gingerbread house pretty soon. But the problem wow. with that is after you make it, does anyone actually like eating that stuff? It's kind of hard to even eat the thing. It's kind of <laughs> more about making it than actually eating it, in my opinion. <laughs> That's my whole point. You spend three hours trying to make the thing, and they're like, all right, let's destroy this and eat it. And you're just like, no. Well, it gets kind of stale, too. It gets stale it and hard to even break apart. Yep. So, so, yeah, I'll pass on that. But I will. Yeah. Ed always makes fun of me. He says I'm in the eggnog, but I, could, I, I do enjoy a nice glass of light eggnog. Not gonna lie, it's definitely not my thing. So, oh, man. <laughs> do you spike? Do you spike your eggnog? Eh, I'm not really a fan of rum, which is usually what people put in there. So, yeah, I kind of take it just, but light though. It tastes, it's kind of watery, honestly. But yeah, um, that rem- what, that what, reminds me. It, the, mm-hmm. Well, actually, the other day, um, someone gave me some chocolate, and I think it had like rum inside, but they didn't tell me. That was some of the most awful candy I've ever tasted in my life. <laughs> wow. But yeah. I bet if Mrs. Superwife or Lachelle Wallace is listening, they've heard of these Christmas tree cakes or Little Debbie Zebra cakes. And let me know if you've heard of it because I can't be the only one out here. Wow. Hmm. Wait, have you ever heard well, of Nutter Butter? I Yeah, you introduced me to Nutter Butter's... Uh... When we were at Essence that one year. Oh, man. Now, that's a good treat. Except you don't eat that stuff anymore. Who? You. Me? The only thing I don't yep. eat anymore is red meat. So Damn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we need to get off the food discussion, and I'm going to say this, Tom. When it comes to Christmas, I want you to make a wish for something R&B related and just something that you want for Christmas just in general. Something you want for Christmas, R&B related, and something you want in general. Listen. What do you want from R&B? What artists, what, the whole genre, give me something. Can I give, uh, can I give the Christmas gift first that I'm expecting from Santa? Yes. Yes. I really want, I really want a Nintendo Switch. I was, I hoping was thinking they were the same thing. Sale. I want one too. I was hoping <laughs> they were going to go on sale so I could afford one. Unfortunately, they didn't, so I need Santa Claus to bring me one. Or, you know, you know back in the day, I'm going to keep it 100 if you go on our YouTube page, one time Sean, I mean Tom interviewed Sean Kingston. 
And the oh, whole purpose man. of that was the whole purpose of that was to make YouTube money cuz I don't know if you guys know but you can make money off making YouTube videos. And that interview didn't really do too well, so <laughs> but, <laughs> so we still need shout money. Out, shout out to Sean Kingston. Um uh, we're about to put up a donation link on our site. GoFundMe. You know, <laughs> Stop, jeez. As for R&B though, R&B, my wish, uh, you, you really don't want to hear my wish for R&B. Okay, well, you can say that, and then you can also make a wish on an album that you want to come out next year from an artist. Man, there's two artists I'm really waiting on an album from. Believe it or not, that come to mind immediately. Lauren Hill, if that will ever happen again in life. Mm, I doubt it. And number two is Chico DeBarge. If he be, if he's even so alive out there somewhere, I don't know. Wow. But uh, other than that, I'll settle for a Donald Jones album in 2018. As for myself, what about you? Um, this Christmas, I want a Brandy album to come out next year. Obviously. And I also want Genuine to actually go back into the studio and do something because... Wow. Listen, I do an annual interview with Genuine. I do one every year and his answer is always the same. Yeah, I'll be going to, into the studio soon to work on my next album and it never happens. <laughs> so I'm hoping next year is the year that we get a new Genuine album. Is that too much to ask for? Yes, it is actually. The way oh, things okay, are looking. Okay. Yep. However... However, we are going to get a Timbaland interview in 2018 now that he signed the E1. Yes. <laughs> I mean, back in the day, we tried so hard to get a Timbaland interview. We were tracking down his wife to try to ask her for help. Remember that? We, yep, we did. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad. But, Tom, before we get out of here, I know the holidays are coming up and you're on your like fifth cup of eggnog. <laughs> Can I make a Christmas wish for you? Go for it. This will make you happy. I hope next year you get a year-round supply of Domino's Cinestics. That's all I want for you. Oh, man. Is you that a good gift? Domino's is? Yes, I'll take it. <laughs> Jeez. Good. And as for me, as far as my general wish, I wish next year that we get a sponsor from one of the big brands. I'll take Nike. I'll take Adidas. Hell, I'll even take the Big Baller brand. I'll take any of <laughs> big- them. We need a sponsor. Big baller brand. That's a whole other topic for another time. All right. But anyways, guys, I hope you guys have a Merry Christmas. Hope you guys have a Happy Holidays. Keep listening to your favorite Christmas songs and get that Mariah song to number one on Billboard. All I want for Christmas (laughs) is you. Keep playing it on Spotify. Keep playing the Chris Brown album. And we will see you. I guess we'll see you next year, right? Yes, we will. Next year, 2018. And stay tuned for our top 100 R&B songs of the year. That will be published very, very soon. Once Ed is done fighting with Randy Savage in the ring, we'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, I'm out. Peace.